Welcome to Audiobook Test Drive. In today's episode, we are featuring an excerpt from The Witches of Gloucester, written by Elizabeth Sarai. It's not about power, it's about love. The historic port of Gloucester, Massachusetts has a special charm, due at least in part to its resident witches. For decades, raven-maned Marguerite and red-headed Beryl have lived among its hard-working inhabitants, making magic and mischief. Love and sex fuel their supernatural abilities, but duality limits their power. To reach their full potential, they need a third witch to complete their circle. Rejected as a nymphomaniac by her puritanical boyfriend, Emmeline escapes to Gloucester to work on her Ph.D. thesis. From the moment she arrives, Marguerite and Beryl sense her erotic vitality and unrecognized paranormal talent. The platinum-haired beauty may well be the enchantress they have been awaiting for so long. Now they need to show M that her prodigious libido is a gift, not a liability, and to persuade her that her destiny lies in the secret town they guard and in their arms. Special bonus! also includes Late Show, a contemporary FF erotic romance tale about second chances. And now for your listening pleasure, an excerpt from The Witches of Gloucester. Chapter 1 Once upon a time, in an old port city north of the capital where the clippers used to flit in and out of the bay like giant butterflies, there were three witches, well, Only two of them knew they were witches, at least at the start of the story. Marguerite, who counted Portuguese traders and African shamans among her ancestors, sported a frenzy of lustrous black hair and was partial to velvet. She had inherited a rambling clappered house that perched on the hill overlooking Western Harbor, which she had filled with ancient Chinese porcelain, colonial silver, Hindu carvings of entwined gods, and bright tribal hangings woven from alpaca wool or mulberry bark. She had no regular employment. Once or twice a year, she'd invite the public into her museum-like abode to sell a few artifacts with which she'd become bored and scout out people who might be worth collecting. Beryl hailed from generations of Boston Irish as one might guess from her fiery curls and milk-white, freckle-dusted complexion, she ran an antiquarian bookstore on Main Street, on one of the few blocks that had not yet succumbed to chain drugstores and tacky souvenir shops, and lived in a bungalow at the end of one of the next tiny lanes. With her tie-dyed dresses, dangling earrings, and handmade sandals, she fit perfectly into the artist's colony. Her talents, however, lay in realms other than painting and sculpture. Over their years together, Marguerite and Beryl had been responsible for much unexpected good fortune, and not a little mischief. The townspeople didn't realize how much of the city's special qualities, the invigorating crispness of the breeze on even the hottest days, the crystalline sparks of sunlight on the waves, the welcoming sense of history that pervaded the narrow streets, was the work of their resident witches. Still, duality limited the women's power. They were well aware that they needed a third to complete their circle 
and perfect their occult abilities. However, you can't simply conjure a witch into existence. You must wait for her to appear on her own. One lazy Saturday in June, Beryl and Marguerite relaxed in Beryl's bedroom, which balanced over the water on barnacle-encrusted pilings. Late afternoon sun slanted in through the wide open window. The pungency of the cove at low tide mingled with a hint of primrose from Beryl's garden, but the mud flats outside were not wholly responsible for the ocean scent hanging in the air. Beryl licked a salty line across Marguerite's round belly and up to her dusky breasts. The black-haired woman shivered and threaded her fingers into Beryl's copper curls, forcing that active mouth onto a nipple. Though they'd been in bed since noon, neither was totally sated. They never were. Inexhaustible libido is one of the defining attributes of a witch. Marguerite moaned as her partner sucked with vigor at her swollen teat. Yes, my jewel, that's lovely, exactly right. She didn't really need to say anything. Each knew every nuance of the other's responses, but she understood how the praise would stir her lover to more energetic attentions. Sure enough, Beryl let her teeth graze the sensitive nub, then nipped hard enough to wake a spike of pain that drove deep into Marguerite's cunt, transforming itself into the most exquisite pleasure on the way. Arching her back, she offered more of her breast, and Beryl took it, pulling the ripe flesh into her mouth and drenching it in warm saliva. Marguerite bent a knee, aiming her thigh at Beryl's juicy cleft. With a choked cry, Beryl ground her crotch against the smooth limb. Meanwhile, ramping up the suction until Marguerite wondered if she could bear the intensity. Her face buried in Marguerite's ample chest, Beryl stabbed her fingers down into a blind search for her lover's cunt. Through luck or experience, she found her target at first attempt, parting Marguerite's wiry fur and sinking three digits into luscious wetness. The rude invasion sent a pre-orgasmic shudder up Marguerite's spine and wrenched a hoarse cry from her throat. Oh no, you don't, you minx. You're going to come for me this time. Beryl didn't seem to object. She rocked back and forth against the thigh pressed between hers, struggling for enough friction to push her over the edge. At the same time, she didn't stop frigging Marguerite though she let the current nipple pop out of her mouth and captured the other. It didn't take long, it never did, before they convulsed in a shared climax. The sun brightened for an instant, the scent of roses grew thick and heady as their breathing slowed and they fell backwards on the bed to let the air cool their sweat-streaked skin. The wild cry of a gull floated in on the salt-tinged breeze, Fingertips brushing, they lay together in companionable silence. Marguerite recovered first. There's a new girl in town. I know. Beryl stretched her white arms over her head to their maximum extent, then pulled herself up into a sit, legs crossed Indian style. A rich fragrance of pussy rose from between her parted thighs. She stopped at the store yesterday, looking for titles about colonial period Salem. I'm sure you were very helpful, 
Rolling onto her side and propping her chin up on her palm, Marguerite grinned at her redheaded partner. I didn't dare get close. She was broadcasting sexual energy in every direction, pulsing like some hunk radioactive matter. I swear I nearly came standing 20 feet away. Amazing. Yes, I've been aware of her aura for the last few days, but I haven't actually seen her. Beryl leaned forward for a quick kiss. Marguerite fought the urge to pull that pale, compact body down on top of her own. Not that Beryl would mind, of course. In fact, the little ginger cat took advantage of their closeness to tweak one of Marguerite's still-throbbing nibbles before pulling back. You'll appreciate her, Beryl added. She's just your type. You mean loud and bratty like you? Marguerite dodged Beryl's flying fist. No, seriously, what's she like? Young, ethereal, full of light. Wait, I'll show you. The witch padded on bare feet over to the wooden sea chest across the room to pull out a length of navy blue cloth printed with yellow gold stars. She spread it over the braided rug that took up most of the floor. Come, sit with me. While Marguerite settled herself cross-legged upon the starry throw, Beryl retrieved a half-melted sapphire blue candle from a shelf above the bed. She arranged it upon the cloth between them, then passed her cupped palm over the charred wick. Illumine, she declaimed. The candle spontaneously ignited. At the same time, the afternoon dimmed. Sudden dusk descended. The blue-edged flame glowed, but did not dispel the gathered shadows. Look into the fire, Beryl instructed. Marguerite tended to use crystals or mirrors for divination. It took a few moments for her to discern the forms moving in the flickering brightness. As she focused her attention, the image grew more distinct. A diminutive young woman, even paler than Beryl, sat reading at an old dinette table. Straight, silver-blonde hair cascaded down her back, almost to her waist. Her black tank top showed off a surprisingly deep cleavage for someone with such a petite frame, while her brief shorts clung to what looked like a heart-shaped ass. Concentration nodded her eyebrows. Her rosy lips were pursed into a moo of dissatisfaction. She appeared to be struggling to comprehend the material, or perhaps she was just restless. After a few moments, she snapped her book closed, rose from her chair, and wandered over to peer out at the forest of masts, visible through the open door. Her movements were like willow branches on the wind. Her hair shimmered in the sun, a platinum river. Marguerite's theory about the woman's ass was confirmed. She's amazing. Do you think? It's possible, Beryl replied to the unspoken question. But how can we draw her to us? You know the rules. We can't use magic to bind her. She must come to us of her own free will. We'll just go introduce ourselves, like good neighbors. Asked to borrow a cup of sugar, Beryl chuckled as she leant over the candle to brush an ebony curl out of her lover's eyes. Something like that? Marguerite stared once more into the heart of the fire at the slender form leaning against the doorframe, gazing into the distance. She looks lonely. Based on the vibes I picked up in the bookshop, I'd say she's horny. Marguerite released an uncharacteristically girlish giggle. We may be able to help her with that problem.
We hope you enjoyed listening to this excerpt from The Witches of Gloucester. If you would like to hear the entire audiobook, it can be purchased at Amazon.com, Audible.com, and iTunes.com.